I think that becoming an entrepreneur makes you more abundant minded. And uh, I think you'll like this visual, but I think most people look at life like imagine, imagine everybody's in a little cafe and they're serving pie. Okay. Pie, you know, big round pie. Yeah. And most people, most people look at it as there's a slice of pie for me and there won't be enough to go around. I got to get, you know, my slice of pie, but the entrepreneur thinks I'm going to, they, they're the ones adding ice cream on top of the pie. They think that more stuff can be added and, so that's the way that people need to look at it is, you know, don't think that there's only a limited amount of pie going around. Think of how you can make the pie bigger. And, you know, you and I hang around guys like Joel Marion and Mike Geary. And, uh, you know, you hang around Ed Milet and Andy Priscilla and all these guys. And they are always thinking about making the pie bigger for other people, which is why they're so successful and do what they do, right? you're probably in a negative scarcity mindset in these quarantine lockdown lifetimes. But listen, Pedros and I are going to flip the switch in your head and help you bring it up another level with the abundance mindset. B, were you always an abundant person? I got to tell you, I wasn't always an abundant person and uh, for two specific reasons. Uh, one, I had no one to teach me what the abundance mindset was. And I believe most humans factory installed is uh, the opposite. It's almost a scarcity mindset, a pessimistic mindset. It's a survival mechanism. And two, um, my mom and dad, and I love them to pieces for bringing me to this country and all, but just the Armenian culture is typically low tone, pessimistic, scarcity minded. And so I grew up the complete opposite, polar opposite of abundance. How about you? Yeah, definitely the same as you because, you know, grew up on the farm, money didn't grow on trees, you know, hand-me-downs, all that sort of stuff, which, you know, in a way to see my parents work really hard was really helpful, but in a way it can be detrimental. And, you know, I was thinking about this the other day before we jump into the seven steps for building an abundance mindset. I think that becoming an entrepreneur makes you more abundant-minded. And uh, I think you'll like this visual, but I think most people look at life, like imagine, imagine everybody's in a little cafe and they're serving pie, okay? Pie, you know, big round pie. Yeah. And most people, most people look at it as there's a slice of pie for me and there won't be enough to go around. I gotta get, you know, my slice of pie. But the entrepreneur thinks, I'm gonna, they, they're the ones adding ice cream on top of the pie. They think that more stuff can be added. and. So that's the way that people need to look at it is, you know, don't think that there's only a limited amount of pie going around. Think of how you can make the pie bigger. And, you know, you and I hang around guys like Joel Marion and Mike Geary. And, uh, you know, you hang around Ed Milet and Andy Priscilla and all these guys. And they are always thinking about making the pie bigger for other people, which is why they're so successful and do what they do. Right. Which really goes back to the Zig Ziglar thing, right? The I mean, we can put it in the new phrase that you said it, make, make, make the pie bigger for others. In other words, help others get what they want and you'll yeah. get what you want. The more you can help the pie get bigger, the more you're going to get what you want. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. All right. So again, there's seven steps. These are my seven steps. And if you've got extra steps in here, this would be really cool to hear. But I've been talking about this a lot and it's been really helpful, especially to young entrepreneurs, which is kind of like my passion project, helping you know, 17, 18 year old kids from all around the world. And the first one that I realized was 
it's not about adding something to your life. It's kind of like the way I approach discipline. Discipline is not about adding things to your life all the time. It's about subtracting things. And so one way in order to have an abundance mindset is to eliminate negative people in negative places from your life or really eliminate yourself from being in negative places or around negative people. We don't want you to you know, take you know, Uncle Frank out in the back and put him in a grave or anything. That's not what I'm saying here. I'm saying what you want to do is eliminate the amount of time you spend around people that will suck you down to that level. Yeah, you know, to that point, so I, I think most people can understand avoiding negative people. Um, I know immediately the secondary conversation our audience is having right now is, Craig, I could avoid negative people who are acquaintances, even business partners. I could part ways with a business partner, but dude, I think I married someone who's negative. Or what if my siblings are negative and, and, and toxic? What if they're doubters? What if my mom and dad are that way? Um, I know for me, one thing that I've learned is you can eliminate and then you can edit, right? And so the people who are closest to you, uh, maybe with the wife, the exception, like, like the parents or the siblings, you can edit the flavor of that relationship. Like I don't have to go around telling my parents who I love dearly that I'm running another big annual conference and over a thousand people are gonna come. It's costing me over a million bucks. I'm giving away a Land Rover like I do every year because every year that I've told them that, they go, how are you gonna fill up the seats? Why are you giving over away a Land Rover that costs a hundred grand? How much are you gonna make from this? Are you gonna make any money from it? And so I've edited the flavor of our relationship where conversation is concerned and I talk about their backyard and the vegetables they grow and you know the, the trips that they've been on and I think people need to start focusing about eliminating and they need to focus on editing. But do you have any insight on that? that, that yeah. We should almost look at it as like a challenge. Like, oh, they're bringing up the election. They're bringing up this. They're bringing up the political party that I don't necessarily agree with. I'm going to both see how calm I can stay in that because as an entrepreneur, you're going to be in situations, negotiations where you have to stay super calm, keep a poker face. And if you're the type of person who allows other people's ideas and comments and beliefs to get under your skin and make you reactive, well, you're, you're actually going to be not a great entrepreneur. So you should almost lean into those conversations and see how much you can tolerate it. See how you, through your own language and your patterning and you know, guiding the discussion, that you can take control of situations. And if people haven't read it, you know, getting Chris Voss's book, Never Split the Difference is a great way to control conversations and outcomes and emotions in very you know, tense situations, right? Yeah, actually, yeah, Chris Voss's book is a great one. Uh, Wyatt Woodsmall has a great book on NLP, neuro-linguistic programming. And have you ever done this? I've actually done this with our masterminds. I've done this with just places you and I have been to where we're guest speakers and the conversation turns to something negative, like the group around us will turn, and I'll move, the, I'll physically move the group, like, hey guys, let's get out of the way from, uh, of these waiters, and I'll move the people over, because I know that as soon as I can create a pattern interrupt, I can change the subject, or I might immediately go, hey, that's a really nice watch you're wearing, is that a, is that a whatever, and I'll try and control the conversation, and there's really two benefits to it. One, sometimes you'll find yourself in a negative place, like you, this happens every Thanksgiving, doesn't matter if you're Canadian, American, or European, there's, there's some version of Thanksgiving happening anywhere across the uh, world. You're going to sit at that dinner table 
with family members or extended family who have, a, like you said, a different political view, a different view on, on entrepreneurship, on what you are or what you're not capable of. And at the end of the day, can you control the conversation? Can you control the flavor, the mood, the energy, uh, the dialogue? And if you can, that is some of the best entrepreneurial training because in the conference room, when you're negotiating on selling your business or buying up uh, equity in someone else's business, you do have to keep that poker face, like you said. And, and so much of that is emotional discipline, controlling yourself versus having that outburst of, no, Trump is my man or fucking Biden or whoever the Dick Watt is that's running for president these days. <laughs> well, well, okay. So that that's good. That's exactly what people need to understand is control the negativity. Now, flip it over. And I think that you've had a great mentor. I've had multiple great mentors in life. You know, you might tell some of your Disney stories or being mentored by Jim Franco. But the second principle is to apprentice under the right person. And I'll just quickly share that when I was 12 years old, I got a job at a greenhouse up in Canada making $2.85 Canadian uh, per hour, you know, digging ditches, all this stuff. But I realize now, you know, 30 years later that I was actually being paid to apprentice under one of the best entrepreneurs in my town. And I got so lucky. And so when I get these messages from kids all over the world and young people, men and women, all that, they say, well, I want to become a millionaire. What should I do? And most of the time I say, go get a job working for the best entrepreneur in your town, because right now you don't have the skills to go and start a business. Like you got nothing and you're going to be very frustrated. So go and get paid to get mentored. So tell us about some of the, you know, the experiences you had when you worked at Disney, because I know that you, you learned a lot there. And then also uh, just from having Jim Franco as an amazing personal training client who changed your life. Dude, you know what's funny too? It's that reframe that you said. How often will we, especially as, as a younger population, like if you're young, if you're in your teens or early 20s listening to this and you're like, I want to be an entrepreneur, but you really don't have anything to sink your teeth into. You don't have a product, you don't have a service, you don't have a sales skills, you don't have the systems, the leadership skills. And we're like, well, I'm working for a boss who's a tyrant. It's like, if that guy is profitable, if that business is making money, you're getting paid to get mentored. Like, what if you can, and sometimes some of the best lessons are, my dad told me this, he said, I said, dad, you're, you're a really good husband for like coming from the communist world. Like, you know, having grown up in the US, I'm like, you're a really good husband. Like you're very attentive. You're so not a communist husband to, to mom. And he goes, oh, I just watched what my, what my older brother did with his wife and I did the opposite because my dad's older brother was just a tyrant, just a tyrant with his wife uh, and just did not give her a good life. And so my dad saw that. And so sometimes you just, if you're working for someone, you realize I actually am in an opportunity to learn from their mistakes uh, of, or, or possibly I may not like what I'm doing, but this person's profitable, they're paying me and I might be able to learn from their lessons in business. But one example to that, uh, when I worked at Disneyland, and I knew this early on that mentors were special because Jim Franco, before I worked at Disneyland, I was a personal trainer and people who've read my book, Man Up, they know that Jim Franco was one of my personal training clients who mentored me. So I knew the value of mentors early on. So when I got into Disneyland, as much as I hated being a busboy and a fry cook, uh, it wasn't the most glamorous job that you could have at Disneyland, uh, at Carnation Cafe Restaurant, 
I had two. What did, what was the most glamorous job? Was it was it being Tinkerbell or was it being <laughs> Mickey Mouse? What was the actual? Because I'm very curious now yeah. that you say that. I, I I will tell you actually, it was to be the to be one of the face characters. So there's characters who wear the the whole suit like the Mickey Mouse yeah. head, but if you're a face character like you're Tarzan or you're Aladdin or if you're a guy or you're any one of the princesses. Oh, yeah. dude, bro, like that that's it. You have like hit the top. Like, uh, yeah, it's all uh, down from there. Um, be, because then you might even get recognized on the street, right? Like Disneyland has yeah. 85,000 people that attend every every day. So I, well, when it was open, now it's empty. But uh, <laughs> shit. Uh, so to that point, I'm working at Carnation Cafe and I had already realized the value of mentors. I'm probably 21, 22 years old. And I had Kathy as one supervisor and i had this guy named doug who had this southern accent and big bellowing voice and kathy was the person where i talked about in my book where she she one day i'm working on the fry on the fryer cooking up all these burgers and steaks and it's the main street electrical parade's gonna go by and it's just thousands of people waiting to get seated and at the time i had sideburns you can't have facial hair at disneyland at the time but i had sideburns that went right below my earlobe and i'm cooking and i feel this pen alongside my face and, and I, i'm like pull away and I'm like what's going on she goes she was measuring the length of my sideburns that they're below my earlobe made me go across the street to the employee locker room or the cast member locker room and shave uh, dock my pain shave my sideburns up and I knew while I screwed up I came to work with slightly longer than needed sideburns that this was going to cause a lot of harm to the restaurant to the kitchen that was going to get backed up etc and that it was bad leadership on her part Doug, on the other hand, would, have, would be that guy who would come in, and when we were busy, he'd flip his tie over his, his shoulder, and with his big bellowing voice, what could I do to help, boys? And he'd just jump on the grill, he'd jump on the board, and the board is where you put the food up once it's ready and tear the ticket. Uh, and, and, and I learned so much. Neither one of them were teaching, but as Ed Milet says, there's so much to be learned by, by so much of the best lessons are caught and not taught. And I was like, man, if I ever become an entrepreneur, if I ever own my own business, I'm going to be like Doug and not Kathy. And, and today I'm still that guy. I will go and like work in a department and write copy for them. I will figure out what to do to make a sale for the sales department. Um, there's no job that I won't do. And my team is super loyal to me because of that. I love it. And so next time I go to Disney, I'm going to see Princess Pedros and with the sideburns. That's all I picture, you know, like, well, at the, Dis the Disneyland, the sideburns now. The, uh, if Disney ever opens up a Disney Armenia, you will definitely see a princess with sideburns. There you go. All right, man. So something that we've been doing is tip number three here for building an abundance mindset is masterminding with people. And I'll tell you what, one of the things it, for helping my abundance mindset is spending time with you and Matt Smith and, and uh, Joel Marion and, you know, this guy named Porter Stansbury, who's from Matt's financial world and Ed Milet and, you know, Lewis House and all of these people. You're like, you are so giving, so generous. You're helping every single person that comes up to you signing their books and giving them a word of advice. Man, I, you know, any, not that I, I didn't do that stuff, but any time that, you know, I hesitated to do it, I was like, I've, I've seen so many great people give, give their time. So let's talk about the power of masterminding and being in uh, the room with the right people. The other day I made a post that you saw about, uh, you know, the classic Jim Rohn quote of you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So what can people do now? Because they're probably thinking, yeah, well, you can't go to a mastermind event. You can't go to any events. What can people do now in the virtual world to connect with the right people? 
Well, even even now, there's like like we had a virtual uh, workshop that we ran what two weeks ago, and we yeah. had all those great people on there, those entrepreneurs who we were able to help. And look, proximity is power. Make no mistake about it. Like if you can be in the same room, uh, shake hands, break bread, uh, you know, pick someone's mind. If I could sit across from Craig at lunchtime and pick your mind, I'm going to get a lot of value, no doubt about it. But in the absence of that, now during this COVID period. Maybe, just maybe, I can actually learn by reading your book. Like, that's mentorship. Maybe I can watch more of your YouTube videos. Maybe I can start doing some kind of virtual coaching with you or some kind of workshop that you're running. Uh, like, when I did my seven-day income ignition about a month ago, um, I said, two months ago now, we had 50 people who paid a 1000 bucks a piece, and seven days straight, for two hours a day, I coached them live via Zoom. And every single one of them I still check up on and they're just thriving and they needed to, they didn't know how to pivot. They had never gone through an economic crisis like, like we're going through right now because they're new entrepreneurs, uh, but profitable entrepreneurs, but they were afraid the business was going to fall out. Now, if they said, well, there's no masterminds happening because of quarantines, I got to figure it out on my own. Half of those 50 would have probably been out of business right now. And it's one of those things where the opportunities are there. Unfortunately, I think people feel that now is not the right time and you have a really good way of putting that like the crying, crying, crying uh, people are crying themselves to sleep because yeah. you're holding back or your ego is getting in the way you're not asking for help people are literally crying themselves to sleep because they can't get your workout program they can't get your credit repair program they can't get your social media program whatever it is and you gotta get over yourself pretty quick. Because I remember I said that to Shauna Kaminsky in 2010, and she still says I was like one of the most important things I ever said to her to this day. Yeah. Dude, I, I use that wisdom that you shared with so many people. If now's not the good time, then when? Like, perfect will never be. We've got to yeah. take that imperfect action. And if we don't take imperfect action, you're simply going to find excuse after excuse after excuse. And so I'll put myself around anybody under any circumstance. And quite honestly, even in an environment where there's these lockdowns and quarantines, you could find someone in your community who's doing better than you or is even like-minded as you and say, hey, you got COVID? No, I don't. I don't either. Great. You want to go hang out, have lunch, you know, grab a wine, and you just might make that connection and that connection might go somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. And so I like what you said about, you know, read my book or, or listen to our YouTube videos or whatever. So if somebody's new to the Empire podcast, what they should do is go into listen episode 100, then listen to episode 82, which I think is some really fast action. Then start from the start, get to know us. And it's kind of like Napoleon Hill in Think and Grow Rich. He had a virtual, he had a, he didn't call it a virtual mastermind, obviously, but he had a mastermind in his head of great, famous people from history. And you can do that thinking, you know, oh, you know, what would Bedros do in this situation? Or what would Sharon Sravatsa do in this situation? Or Jason Capital? And that's a, that's a good thing because then it'll get you abundantly thinking. Which leads me into point number four is read biographies. And I'll tell you, the two of the ones that have really helped me the most in the last couple of years, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, seeing what he went through and, and the community that he grew in the running world, which then led into Nike being so big and successful. And then obviously... Elon Musk and his, his biography was so good that I would rush home from the office to read it for like two hours a night when I was going through it. But we can read those and we can go back and read Rockefeller's biography or Henry Ford's biography. Are there any other biographies that really impacted you over the years? Well, you know, I think, I think those that you laid out there, uh, but, but Carnegie is another one, right? Dale Carnegie is yet another one. 
And, and think and grow rich. Th simply going back and reading Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich might be, you know, the kind of the best summary of a lot of those old biographies and principles as well. So many great books have been written about Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, his business partner. I mean, like, yeah. wouldn't you want to be able to make if, if, if your goal is to be in the st trading business or stocks, if like that's where you want to thrive, then wouldn't you go and read every book about Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, even if it was written by other people and not their official biography. And here's why. And here's what I get most out of it. Um, some, actually, you know this guy, Cable McElderly, right? One of your fellow Canadians. Years ago, years ago, before he became a business partner, he was a coaching client in the Seven Figure Mastermind. And um, he's sitting there. This was his third year in the Mastermind. His business just kept scaling by, by like two or 300% year after year. And one day... After a mastermind, uh, he comes up to me. He goes, dude, so I was playing this game the entire time when you were doing hot seats. I'm like, what game were you playing? He goes, well, every time someone in the hot seat would ask a question of you, I would answer it in my head. And like 95% of the time, that's the answer that you gave that person. I've been around you so much, so long, I've learned to think like you. Now, interestingly enough, right behind the wall behind me is, is our corporate office. And our VP for Fit Body Bootcamp, Bryce, is back there. And, you know, he's, he's, he's a great MC, And so he's always the MC of all of our live events, like the Empire Summit that we did, et cetera. And one of the greatest compliments he gives me from stage is he goes, while B has helped me become a millionaire, the best thing he's done for me is teach me how to think. And if you read enough of those books from Elon Musk, from Craig Ballantyne, from Dan Kennedy, like... So everyone should read, if you're in business, you should read Dan, all of Dan Kennedy's books, the No BS yeah. lines, and then you should read Unfinished Business, uh, yeah. right? His biography, really, because if you can start learning to think, not, not use Craig Ballantyne's morning routine, but start thinking like Craig Ballantyne, start thinking like Henry Ford, start thinking like Elon Musk or Dan Kennedy or Warren Buffett, holy smokes, at any given time, you could literally summon that person up in your head and go, I may not have Craig here right now, but I do this all the time. But how would Craig work through this problem? What would Craig tell me? And 99% of the time, I know the answer because I've been around you for a decade plus now. And that's the value of these biographies. You know, you can bring a human to life and have them coach you. Absolutely. Absolutely. The next one is another thinking exercise. So the fifth principle or step in building an abundance mindset is something that you don't do, but I know you have a version of it. So it, there's meditations. There's tons of abundance mindset meditations on YouTube. Our friend Ian Stanley has a money abundance mindset meditation that you can get. Uh, you'll have to find his, um, his books and courses. If you go to persuasionhitman.com, you'll find his book, and then you'll be able to find his money meditation. So there's all these things that can really control your attitude around money. And actually, right now, I'm reading another book on, um, you know, these, these limiting money beliefs right now. I, I forget what it is, unfortunately, but there's a lot of material out there that helps you think properly about money, even if you came from a situation where you didn't. Now, you have your gratitude exercise. So tell us about the power of abundance growth through gratitude. Yeah. And it's no, no different than meditation. And, you know, look, I've, I've studied meditation enough that, to know that it's not for me. Uh, however, when I go out surfing, for example, and I'm sitting on that vast Pacific Ocean on my surfboard waiting for a set of waves to start, dude, I could sit there and realize, oh, okay, this is literally active meditation because I'm sitting here in calm and peace waiting for a set of waves to start and I get to reflect on the great things in my life. And so when I'm not surfing once a week, 
uh, the, the other six days a week, I'm at home. I send out three gratitude text messages to three people that I love, adore, appreciate, am grateful for in my life. It takes me all of 10 or 15 minutes, but it puts me in an active state of gratitude because I'm forced to think about Craig Ballantyne and what has he done in my life and what am I appreciative for? And What and, has he done in your life? <laughs> <laughs> what hasn't he done? For, late, for me lately, Mr. You Ballantyne. see all these gray hairs right here? They, they have your name written all over it. There you go. Yeah, but... Um, you know what I mean? And so when you actively, and, and honestly, it is the most selfish thing I do, Craigie, when I send out these three gratitude text messages, because look, as an entrepreneur, you plan your day. You go, here's my list of things I'm going to do today, whether it's on a paper or notepad or in your iPhone. And then all that list of plan is just everything that can go wrong. And as your day goes wrong in some fashion, one of those three people that you texted early on in the morning and showed gratitude to sends you a text message and goes, you know what, Pedros, I appreciate that text message you sent. I needed that. That was, it, it was so timely. And I feel like I'm such a superhero for doing that, right? And so, yeah. and I feel good in that moment when things are going shitty for me. And yeah. so it, it, whether it's meditation, like active meditation, sitting there and going into a trance or, or, you know, surfing and waiting for the waves to start or just actively sending gratitude text messages, there is a place for meditation that creates a sense of abundance and gratitude. Yeah. And uh, so I, I remember the name of the book now. It's called Wired for Wealth, Change the Money Mindsets that Keep You Trapped. And then there's another book, the Dan Kennedy book. People were going to start with a Dan Kennedy book, you know, on this topic, get the No BS Wealth Attraction book that he has. It's, it's uh, really, really fantastic. No BS Wealth Attraction. So then moving on to point number six is very similar to the gratitude. It's generosity. And I think um, Yannick once gave me this phrase. It sounds a little weird, but it's the hole you give through is the hole you receive through. And man, you, like remember the last time you were doing a podcast, you, you talked about how much you had given to Toys for Tots. It's mind blowing that through you and Fit Body Bootcamp, you'd given over a million bucks to Toys for Tots, which is a charity we've been involved with for a long time. To the people who say, yeah, but you've got money or whatever, what do you say to somebody who knows they should give and who will benefit from giving, but still has that scarcity mindset, that penny pinching mindset that I once had when we first started doing those Toys for Tots events? Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's exactly that. I'd never heard that phrase from Yannick, but that, that so makes sense. Listen, if you're not in a place where you can give seven figures to Toys for Tots right now, don't. But is there a percentage of the, your profits that you could give? Is it just 1% of your profits? Give and give without expectation and watch what happens back. I'm not a woo-woo person, man. You know me well enough to know, like, I don't go around hugging trees and lighting incense and all that shit. Like, I just put my head down and plow. But I do know this. The universe just has a way of, of taking care of people who take care of people. And I think well, that... Yeah. They take care of you if you're yes. taking care of people the wrong way. Ain't that the truth? I'm glad you brought that up, both good and bad. And I, I really believe that if we actively take care of the people who can't necessarily take care of themselves, whether it's elderly, whether it's the homeless, whether it's the addicted, whether it's the the youth, the children, those or are people all people with PTSD or right. like wounded warriors. Exactly. That sort of stuff. Exactly. The good things will happen. So hey, don't give a million, but can you give five bucks? I mean, sure. fuck, you're, you're going to go through drive-thru and drink a Starbucks. Just don't. Just don't. Drink Folgers instead at home, and there's 18 cents for your Folgers. Now give the rest to, to whatever cause that you believe in. And that creates a habit, by the way, because um, 
well, I'm not going to take the computer up, but right back there behind the laptop, there's like all these awards from, from Compassion International, uh, Toys for Tots, and Shriner Children's Hospital. And each time they send me an award, I'm like, oh my God, okay, I'm going to send more money towards them because we are reward driven. And I see that and it reminds me of how many good things have happened in my life since I've been donating and I donate more. So the, it is a cyclical event to be generous. Yeah, and so when we started the Toys for Tots uh, with my friend Matt Smith in Denver, you know, he started it and I got involved in it. And then, you know, we would go to, the way that it works is you buy all these toys, you give them to the Marine Corps, the Marine Corps distributes them in, in America. And so, well, you know, I would walk up and I'd be like, oh, you know, I want to buy this many toys. And I think the first year I spent like 15 grand and, you know, I, I had 15 grand, but I didn't want to spend it. And then I realized like, you know, the next week after I, you know, had spent it, it, it filled itself back up, you know, it filled itself back up and it's it really not that big of a deal. Now I couldn't, at that time, I couldn't give 150 grand, but that, that wouldn't fill it up itself up quickly. But like you said, don't wait until you can give a 10 grand, five grand, or even a grand, give five bucks today. And, and I will say this, I, I see a lot of entrepreneurs that come to my workshops and they say, one day I want to start a foundation for, you know, abused youth or whatever it is to say, why, why, well, what have you given this year to any existing? Well, nothing. Well, it just gets started. Just get started. Everyone wins when you just get started. And so that's like kind of a little mentorship for you, which brings me to point number seven. If you before, want to build an abundance. Before you go to point seven, I'm going to share a yeah. little business secret with everyone that, okay. that, that you and I know that everyone else needs to hear. I know we're talking about obviously developing an abundance mindset, but yep. with that abundance mindset, let's throw a few more million in their bank account. Guys and gals, listen up. Here we go. And it is this. As Craig said, the first year that we did, he did the Toys for Tots thing, and I, he called me up. He's like, hey, B, we're doing this thing in Denver. These kids are going to wake up and not have a Christmas toy on Christmas morning. And I flew out there with the family, and a few of our friends came out there, and we went to Walmart. You I think. how young Chloe was at that first Oh, one? my gosh. She was a puppy, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Holy cow. And we went to Walmart. And like you said, you spent your 15 grand. I spent my 15 grand or whatever it was. And sure, man, you didn't want to give that 15 grand. You had, in your mind, hey, I got better ways I could spend this or I got better things to do with this. But here's the reality. When you said it, you said it. You, you, I spent it and then it filled itself back up. People need to realize that instead of trying to say, I'm not going to spend this money, work on, on raising the glass ceiling in your bank account. In other words, Everyone's got this limiter. It's like a thermostat. Like I'm, I feel safe and comfortable when my bank account has, and then fill in the blank, 20,000, a hundred million, uh, $1 million. And so instead of saying, I'm not going to spend X amount of dollars because it'll then put me out of my $20,000 bank account range. We know that when you spend it, because you need to feel safe and comfortable again, you'll find a way to fill it back up. Instead, raise the glass ceiling so it's no longer 20 grand. You actually want to make 90 grand, 100 grand, $200 million, whatever that dollar amount is. But so many people are focused on what they don't want to spend instead of how much they want to make. And uh, if you just kind of shift the target and raise the ceiling, you find that money comes a lot easier. Absolutely, my man. Absolutely. And you're, uh, you're absolutely right about being around the right people. And so you know, we've often heard the phrase that, uh, you know, if you're in, you're, you're in the, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. It also goes with, well, it goes with health too. You know, if you're the, if you're the strongest person in your gym, you're not going to get stronger, but it goes with wealth too. 
if you're not hanging around people who are wealthier than you, and I'm always saying, always saying people who got wealthy morally, ethically, not through, you know, crime or not because they got money, don't, you know, uh, inherited, but people who made their money and who are good stewards of their money and you see how they can use their money. That's really important, which brings us to point number seven, which is mentorship. And again, you had a good mentor. Um, I think we both almost had rich dad, poor dad experiences. Mm -hmm. I had, um, you know, my father and then I had my, my, who was the poor dad. And then my boss at the greenhouse, who was a richer dad. And then this guy, Mark Ford, who I bought my business from, he was my richest dad. And you're just my rich older brother. Uh, but you had, you had Jim Franco, who was your rich dad. And what was the power of having a mentor like that who showed you proper investment strategies, but also showed you the power of recurring revenue, which was probably one of the biggest game changers there too. That, that has forever, like the very first lesson he told me when I opened up my first gym was, because remember in the personal training industry, the industry that I come from, personal training at my time in the late 90s, early 2000s was sold with, you sell five sessions at a time, 10 sessions at a time. And then once Craig is done with those, 10 sessions, I go, hey, Craig, do you want to buy some more sessions with me? And now it's a yes or a no. And if I lose you as a client, shit, there goes some of my income. I got to replace you as a client. And he said, why are you selling 5, 10, 15 sessions at a time? I said, that's how we do it in this industry, Jim. And I said it almost in a condescending way. And he goes, have you thought of charging people on a monthly basis and selling them a 12-month program, a six-month program, 18-month program if they have a lot of weight to lose? I said, that's not how we do it. He goes, but that's how I would pay. I've got the money. And because I never at the time, I didn't have the money to pay six to $800 a month on a recurring basis, you know, like Netflix wasn't around back then or whatever. So it's not like there was all these subscription plans, but even if there were, who the hell was going to pay in my mind, six to $800 a month? Well, Jim Franco was because the man owned a massive software company and showed up every day with a different car and, and left work at two o'clock in the afternoon because he could and, and worked his session with me was at 2.30. And he literally showed me how to raise the thermostat on, on my thinking. Like, dude, I didn't understand why he had multiple cars. And I said, Jim, yesterday you showed up at the Cadillac Escalade. I was looking out the gym window here, the health club window, and I see that you're showing up with the, a Mercedes-Benz 500 class. Um, did you sell that car? He goes, no, I've got many cars. I've got classic cars. And it was, it blew my mind that a, a, a human could have more than one car it, because I didn't have one and therefore, right? And so he raised that thermostat and in, in expectations, he raised that thermostat and I can change the way businesses run just because my industry doesn't charge on a recurring basis doesn't mean that I couldn't. And so what I did, and he said, give your business legs. And I go, huh? What is legs? He goes, make sure your clients are paying you on a monthly basis so that if you ever go to sell your gyms, your, your, the buyer's gonna buy the receivables, the monthly subscriptions. And that's exactly what happened four years later, Craig, when I sold my five gyms, the organization that bought it from me didn't buy Premier Results, the brand. They literally, the next day they changed the name. They just bought my 1,200 personal training clients that I had who were all paying between $500 and $800 a month. And hey, did you know that I never knew the name of your gyms until right now? Oh, yeah. I had no idea. It was called Premier Results. Premier Results, yeah. That's a great name. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Alan Cosgrove always, like, he has results fitness. And he I, always thinks, you know, people that come up with, like, especially, like, if you have a last name, it's like your last name is Burns, and it's like, Burns, the fat fitness. It's like, what, what are you talking about? You know, it's like, but he always said, just name it something, like, really straightforward, really blunt. Yeah.
Yeah, that was it. But yeah, Results Fitness with Alan, that's, I think that's in an even better name. But yeah, Premier Results is what we had. But that's exactly why people bought it. Like the company that bought it, bought it and changed the name and then kind of just inherited all my clients and, and staff, believe it or not. Yeah. Yeah. So mentorship is the seventh one. And again, like what, what are you going to do if you can't leave the home where you're in lockdown? You get mentorship virtually through the Empire podcast. Now, I actually didn't have this one written down, Bedros, but you kind of mentioned something there that reminded me of something that I had told my clients a long time ago. And I wonder what you think of this. To build your abundance mindset, do you think there's value in having millionaire experiences? So at my last Perfect Life Retreat, I told all my coaching clients, hey, you're coming out to San Diego, you're going to have a great time, but have a millionaire experience where you're here. Take somebody out to a steak dinner and you know, spend a couple hundred bucks, or in our case, we would spend 2,500 bucks. Or you know, and a couple other of my clients, they rented Mercedes and drove up Pacific Coast Highway. They never would have thought about that, and they realized what it was like to live the good life, and I think that really changed them. So what do you think of having millionaire experiences sprinkled in there smartly, wisely as well? Yeah, I, to me, that's a mandatory thing. And, and it serves us two purposes. One, it raises the thermostat or the glass ceiling on what you're capable of doing and gives you a little taste, and then you tend to want more. I mean, this may be a very bad analogy, but the, the crack dealer, the cocaine dealer who gives you that first little bump of that drug does it so that you'll want to repeat that experience, right? And so the, the, the brain acts and operates the same fashion when you have a millionaire experience. You fly first class once, even when it's uncomfortable for you to pay for that, fly it once, you will enjoy first class, especially if it's like that, the advanced first class where you can lay out in the bed and you have your own fucking pod and all that shit. Like now I can't fly anything else but that. Regular first class doesn't even cut it for me because I just require the pods. And your subconscious mind will figure out how to make more money and how to come up with more solutions to problems to make more money so that you can have that experience. And so I'll give you an example of a young man that I, I mentor in my private coaching program, Tony Steffen. He's 29 years old. He, I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this. He's about to, he's, he's gonna do 2 million this year in revenue. And when he signed up for my coaching program three years ago, he was a registered dietitian that had school debt who was selling gym membership at a Lifetime Fitness in Michigan and barely making 40 grand a year. And um, he told his dad he's gonna max out his credit cards and sign up for a mentorship program with me. Dad thought he was crazy. Uh, Mom's not alive to, to slap him straight. And so he did this thing with me. And uh, just year after year, in a three and a half year period now, he's gonna have a $2 million a year this year, during the COVID year, best year ever for him. And, it's, and I've asked him uh, right before he, so in two, two years ago when he had his $700,000 a year, I said, give yourself a millionaire experience. He came and lived in Newport Beach on the boardwalk there uh, and rented a, like an Airbnb on the water for 15 grand for that month. And he's like, holy crap, this is expensive. Now, he and his wife are doing it a second time this summer. And now they're talking about moving to California from Michigan. None of that would have happened in his thermostat. Then he started doing the math. What's it gonna take to live in California? Oh shit. A couple million dollars a year will not give me that lifestyle in California on the beach. So now we're talking about how he can scale his company and create another company 
to go from 2 million to 20 million so that he could own a home like that. And had he not given himself that one millionaire experience or the first class experience or the fact that he bought himself a nice Cartier watch that I have one and he got one too. Uh, you know, these were little, every time we'd hit a milestone in his business, go give yourself a millionaire experience. And those things have raised that thermostat. It's so important as a reward and as a taste of something else that's out there and you can get, because there's always that next level. I love it. I love it. There always is that next level, which, which I was just thinking when you're talking about the first class uh, flights is uh, the next level beyond that is is obviously private jets. But every time we've been in a private jet, you and I, they, they're like tiny and cramped. And yeah, I, I, I got to tell you, unless it's a 727, which I I can't say the royalty, but I've been on a 727 and this royalty let me on it and fly. It was awesome. Um where you can just walk straight without having, a, I'm six feet tall. It doesn't matter if it's a Gulf Stream or whatever, you're still crunched in because it's not the width of a regular 747. Now, 727, uh, I'm down for that shit. I would fuck around with that shit. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I love it. Now, everybody listening, you are probably pumped up, jacked up to go out there, grow your business, grow your mindset. You're abundant now. Don't let the scarcity bring you down. All right. If you like that empire show, you know what to do. Share with your friends who need that abundance mindset.